The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Daf Ayin Zayin. Today's daf is being studied. Le'ilun Nishmat Abraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. We begin today's daf on Ayin Vav Amud Bet. And we are going to begin five lines from the bottom. The Gemara now goes back to the subject that we discussed regarding Daniel. The Gemara brought a proof from the Pesukim in Daniel that from the fact that he refrained from Sicha, from anointing himself, and from bathing, from Rechitza, and the Pasuk calls that an Inui, so therefore we know that these things are forbidden on Yom Kippurim. Now, the reason why Daniel abstained from these items was because Kodesh, Cyrus, who was the king, he had made a gezerah to stop the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash, of Bayit Sheni. And therefore, Daniel started to afflict himself because he was in pain that the Beit HaMikdash was not going to be continued to be built. After he afflicted himself, the angel Gabriel came to uh, Daniel and told him that God has seen his affliction and God is going to answer him. And now the Gemara is going to discuss that conversation that the angel Gabriel had with Daniel. So the Pasuk says, which literally means, and I have come because of your words. Now the Gemara is going to analyze, it seemed that Gabriel was for some reason excommunicated from the heavenly court. And on account of Daniel, he was let back in. He was let back into the heavenly court to be next to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara is going to analyze today, why was Gabriel excommunicated, and how did Daniel get him back? So the Gemara begins, My va'ani bati bidvarecha. What did Gabriel mean when he said to Daniel, that I have come because of your words, which means he entered the heavenly court on account of him, like that she says, five lines from the bottom, Daniel. the end of the pasuk that we learned on yesterday's app, where Gabriel tells Daniel, don't worry, don't be scared, which means now I'm able to enter the heavenly court on account of you. So the next verse she says, My Ba'anibati, Matain Nigrash When was he excommunicated or kicked out that he needed permission to come back? So the Gemara says, Hainu Dikhtiv. This is a reference to what's written in the book of Yehezkel. Now, in this prophecy, it's uh, by Yehezkel the Navi, who was living in Bavil at the time. And this was at the time of the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash. He had a vision that he was being pulled by his hair to Yerushalayim. And he saw a vision of the 70 Zekenin in the Kodesh area, in the Hechal of the Beit HaMikdash. And they were worshipping idols, they were committing Avonot. Obviously a remez from a Kadosh Baruch Haskel, that the Beit HaMikdash was going to be destroyed on account of the Avodah Zarah, 
of the people. So the Gemara now is going to discuss that vision that Yehezkel had. The Khtiv it says, Vishivim Ish Mizikne Bet Israel and there were seventy elders from Israel, Vyazanyahu Ben Shafan Omed Betuham and Yazanyahu Ben Shafan was standing amongst them Omdim Lifnehim. And they were standing before them. That's a reference to the Abu Dazara. The Zekenim was standing in front of the idols. The Ish Miktarto Biado which each man had maktarto, which we'll say was like a staff in his hand, and there was a uh, thick cloud of ketoret that was rising, which means they were worshipping uh, ketoret to the idols. Uchtiv, and it's written further, that means a stretched, out form of a hand. Tabnit Yad is a form of a hand was stretched out and it took me by the Sisit uh, Roshi, call it the locks, let's say, of his head. Like we explained, they pulled him by the hair. This is Yahya scale talking. But Tisa Oti. And they carried me, Ruhi, a wind carried me, Bena Aresu, Bena Shamayim, which means he was flying between the earth and the heaven. And they brought me to Yerushalayim Elohim to have this divine vision. Uh, they brought me to the entrance of the inner gate of the Bet HaMikdash that was facing north. Where there was a, uh, a seat over there. Um, which was uh, a certain uh, image. Now, uh, this was the image refer- reference to the image of Akadosh Baruch Hu Kibiyachon. So then they brought Yechazkel the saying. They brought me into the inner courtyard of the Beit Hamikdash, and what did he see? And behold, I was in front of the Echal Hashem Ben Aulam Ben Amizbeach, between the Ulam, the antechamber, and the Mizbeach. I saw some 25 men, their back was to the Hechal, let's say their back was to the Kodesh Kodashim, and their face, they were facing east, and they were actually bowing, they were bowing eastwardly to the sun. Again, all this Yechazkel is visioning while he's in Yerushalayim. So the Gemara questions this Pasuk. If the Pasuk tells me that they were facing east, don't we know that automatically if you're facing east, that means their backs were to the Hechal, because we know the Hechal was in the west. So what does the Pasuk have to say that their face was in the east and their back was to the west? It's automatically that their back was to the Hechal Hashem. The Gemara says, What does it mean when it says their backs were facing the Echal? It says in this vision he saw that they were actually bearing themselves, which means they were unclothed, undressed. And they were defecating towards Sometimes we refer to Ma'ala. That's when we say, let's, and then maybe in a positive sense. But over here they refer, and they say, mata, means to the one below, which means they were committing a great avon over here of uh, defiling the great Shekhinah in the Beit HaMikdash. So Borei Olam obviously got angry when he saw this image of the Zikinim, the 25 men, with the, the way they were dressed or undressed in front of the Echal. So Borei Olam called the angel Michael, who was considered one of the uh, ministering angels for Israel, and he says to him, Michael, Sarcha Umatecha, Michael, your nation has sinned. Amal Fanav, so Michael says, the Borosh Olam, It's enough you should save them on account of the Sassikim. Save them on account of the good people. You're right, there's bad people, but in the Zichut of the good people, they should be spared. 
אמר לא, אני שורף אותם ולטובים שבהם. בוני העולם אומר, אני אגיד את האנשים כמובן את הטובים. ומפרשים מסביר, בגלל שהטובים היו יכולים להתרבוק, והם לא התרבוק, אז הם היו גדולים. מיד, ופסוק קטניוס, אמיתי, מה קרה? ויאמר אל האיש לבוש הבדים, ויאמר. בוני העולם מגיע to the one, to the man, literally, that was clothed in linen. Now, who's that man that's clothed in linen? So the top that she says, who? Gabriel. The book of Daniel, it always refers to Gabriel as the man that was wearing linen. So God tells the Malach Gabriel, Bo el benot lagalgal, come to the area called Galgal el tachat lakeruv, which was uh, under So beneath the Keruv. Now, Galgal and Keruv are references to different type of angels. Now again, a lot of these references of angels are discussed in Yehezkel's vision called Ma'aseh Mirkaba, which usually is beyond human comprehension to understand what's going on over there. But here we're explaining it on a simple level just to understand what Borei Olam was telling the Malak Gabriel now. So he says, go in front of these two angels, El Tachat Lakeruv and Galgal, Umaleh Hofneka Gahale Esh, Mibbenot Lakerubim, fill your hands with coals from the Kerubim. It seems there was coals over there. Fill your hands with coals, Uzrok Alahir, and throw them upon the city. What the reference is, what Elam was saying, take these fiery coals, throw them towards Yerushalayim, which represents the destruction of Yerushalayim. Vayavo Lerenai. So it says, and uh, Gabriel came before my eyes. This is Yehezkel saying he saw this. Miyad, immediately, Vayishlach ha-keruv et yado mibbenot la-keruvim. The keruv, which means the angel called keruv, stretched out his hands from between the keruvim. El ha-esh asher benot la-keruvim, to the fire that was between the keruvim. Vayisav vayiten el hofnel levu shabadim. So the angel lifted the coals with his hands and deposited the coals into the hands of Gabriel. And he took the fiery coals and he went out and he threw them upon the city. Now, Gabriel did not follow exact instructions which Borei Olam commanded him. God told Gabriel that he should take the coals himself. But instead, Gabriel, he let the angels pick up the coals And from their hands, pour it into his hands. And the Mepharsim explained why Gabriel did that. Because he was concerned that if the coals are going to be taken directly from his hands, so, so to speak, they're going to be so hot that when he throws it on Yerushalayim, it's going to be a total devastation and destruction where the Jewish people will not be able to recover. But by allowing the angels to pick up the coals first and empty it into his hands, it's like a cliché. It's already cooled down a little, so Gabriel figured it won't be a total destruction. In any event, the Gemara continues to explain these pesukim. Amar Abchana bar Bezna Mar Bishimon Chasida el Malelo nitztaninu gechalim yadoshel keruv yadoshel Gabriel. Had the coals not cooled off when the coals were transferred? From the hands of the angel to the hands of Gabriel, there wouldn't have been a remnant of Klad Yisrael left over. Now we continue. Which is the man that was wearing the linen, which is Gabriel. Which literally means the way they explain the slate was around his waist. He came back to Borei Olam. And answered, So he tells God, he executed, he, he fulfilled his mission. At that moment, they sent Gabriel away from the curtain, which means they removed him from, away from the Shekhinah. And they gave him lashes, 60 lashes, of fire. And the Mephadashim explained why 60 lashes. Because normally a person is not hayav punishment until he's 13 years old. And at 13 years old he becomes a gadol, 
we give him three times 13 lashes, which would be 39 lashes, which is 39 malkut. However, the malachim, they're not held punished, punishable until the age of 20. So therefore, they punish him also 20 times 3, which would be 60. In any event, what is he getting punished for? So the Gebrah says, Amru Listen, had you done nothing at all, then nothing would have happened to you. Because we could justify you not doing anything. Meaning, that, that why did you pick up the coals and throw them towards Jerusalem? Had you done nothing and not listened, we could have justified it and said, you were just doing it because you figured God would change his mind and have mercy on Klai Yisrael. Therefore, it can be accepted. As she says on the second line, If you didn't do it at all, we could have justified you you're delaying that maybe God will be appeased. However, but now that you did it, now that you did it, how come you didn't do it like you were commanded? That she says, that Instead of taking him directly, you took it from the hands of the angels. So you didn't follow what you were supposed to do. They hold, and furthermore, they have had, now that you did it, don't you hold of the opinion that says you don't report back with bad news? Which is when you came back to God and said, you don't go back and report that you did bad news. So now we see that Gabriel was punished because of his actions. So God brought another sar, type of ministering angel, called Dubiel, Sarah de Persae. He was actually the angel in charge of the Persians. And that's the reason why they call him Dubiel, because the Gebarah Berachot says the Persians are compared to a bear, and in Hebrew a bear is a dove. So therefore they call this angel Dubiel, the Ukmua Baharike. And he stood in the place of Gabriel. He took Gabriel's place. And this Persian administering angel served for 21 days. And the Maharsha says these 21 days are Kenege, uh, the 21 days between Shavasar Tammuz and Tishabi'ab, which means it was a bad thing that we have now a ministering angel in the heavens taking the place of Gabriel. Like the Pasuk says, Paras says, and the uh, angel of Paras stood in front of me for 21 days. Now this is what Gabriel is telling Daniel, that the angel was standing in my place for 21 days. Now Michael came to help me. This is Gabriel talking, that Gabriel now came to help him, to get his uh, position back. He said, I had to remain there alone beside the king of Persia. Now that Dubiel, the angel of Paras, was inside now by the court, so now he had power. So they gave Dubiel 21 kingdoms, and they gave him also Mashig. That she says, Mashig is Devar Malchut Bilshon Parsi, a certain royal um, place. Lefi Shu Maralesham Margaliot. It seems that it's a port that there are pearls in that place, which means Persia became very strong as a result of this episode. They conquered 21 kingdoms, and also they got the port of Mashig. Amar kitibuli li Yisrael be'akarga. And at that time, Dubiel said, write for me that what? That all the Jewish people should pay taxes. Akarga is a tax. Let them pay taxes. And she says, keset gulgalta. It's a head tax. Which means he's telling Gabriel, right now, that all the Jewish people have to pay me a head tax. Ketavu So they wrote it for him. Then he says, kitibuli rabbanan be'akarga. I also want the rabbis amongst the Jewish people to have to pay the head tax to the Persians. So they wrote that as well. When they wanted to sign the decree, Gabriel was standing behind the curtain. He now was trying to stop the Gizera that we shouldn't have to pay all these taxes to 
the Persians. So he said, Shav Lachem Mashkimekum. It's in vain, all you people, it's a waste that you're waking up early. To those who stay up late, to sit up late, and they eat the bread of sorrow, he will also give lidido shena. So the Gemara wants to understand, my ken yiten lidido shena. What's the reference to this pasuk over here? There's a reference to the wives of the tamidei hakamim. They lose sleep in this world because they're waiting for their husbands to come home from the yeshiva. They come home very late, so the, the wives wait up for them. Which means, To those ladies that deprive themselves of sleep, sleep, so they're going to get great reward, which is Gabriel was coming to say that how could the nations of the world uh, uh, be fit to rule over the Tamidi Hakamim. Even the wives of the Tamidi Hakamim are very worthy because of this sacrifice. And now Persia is going to be able to charge a tax to the Tamidi Hakamim. So the Gebarah says, But the angel did not pay any attention to Gabriel. So Gabriel said before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, If you if all the Hakamim of Israel would be on one side of the scale, and Daniel, who was the greatly loved one, would be on the second side of the scale. Wouldn't Daniel, wouldn't he outweigh them all? Who is this person? Who is this angel that's being an advocate for my children? Because Gabriel was trying to defend B'nai Israel in the Zechut of Daniel. It's indeed Gabriel the Malach. At that point, God told the angels, Yavo, let him, let him enter. And that's what Gabriel meant to Daniel when he says, I entered God's chamber, so to speak, because of your words, meaning by mentioning your name, I now entered the area. Enter. I do. So they brought him in. So he saw that the Gabriel was Dubiel was holding this star, this document that had uh, on it the Gezera that they're going to charge the Tamidiachamim these taxes. So Gabriel tried to take it away from him, to take it away from his hand. So what did Dubiel do? He quickly swallowed it. Some say, Some say the Gezera was just written, but it wasn't sealed yet and signed. Some say it was signed as well. But when he swallowed it, the signature was erased. And that's why the Malchuta de Paras we find in the Persian kingdom, there are certain Tamidachim that still pay the head tax. Some do not pay the head tax. But the point is that the Gezera is still uh, around in Paras. The Gebera says where Tamidachim have to pay tax. When normally in kingdoms, the Tamidachim are exempt from the tax. But in Persia, some pay and some don't pay because the Gezera was written, but it wasn't signed. In any event, after this episode, it says that when Gabriel was allowed to re-enter the court, he says, He says, and now I returned to fight against the ministering angel of Paraz, After he finished with Paraz, the Greek angel came. And uh, Gabriel says, Which is like, whoa, whoa. Which means we're going to have a hard time fighting over the Greeks that are going to rule over Ben Israel. But nobody paid attention to him. Okay, let's just catch up now. So now we see over here where Gabriel was excommunicated, and he came back on account of mentioning uh, Daniel. Now let's just read the Rashi's over here. That she will read Shav Lachem on that pasuk. Shav Lachem Askimikum Kilomad. Worthy that the Jewish people should be under the subjugation of the Goyim. The Pasuk praises the wives of the Tamidah that they deprive themselves from sleep. 
שב לכם בעלי אומנות. So the pasuk mizad yashav lachem mashkim mekum. It's a waste of time. All you craftsmen that wake up early to make panasa, hamashkimim umacharim lemelachdam, ochlel lechem beretzev, and you eat your bread with the stress biyigia. Can yiten azan et haolam mizrot panasa lidido? God can give the same panasa to those tamidah kamim shneu panasa lidido shena lemishen adar shena b'shvilo, which means all that hard work. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the same Parnassah to the Tamidi HaKamim and gives them great reward because of their devotion. Bati B'dvarecha Rashi says, Al Shedibarti Becha, right? The Gabriel says, because I mentioned your name, I came in front of Morei Olam, Ashkechelet Dubiel Davan Akit Egra, Vani Yotzeh, Vine Sar Yavan Bauk, Shegiya Zman Nalchut Yavan Labo Etzeh, Al Kulchi Shekvan Egzera Gezera, Vesar Yavan Yavo, Vemkomi, Avi Avi Tsaak, because he saw the damage that Yavan will have on Klal Yisrael. It should be pointed out over here that the Mesilat Yisharim in Perek Yudchet sees from over here the importance of being a Melitz Yosher for Klal Yisrael, which means even at a time when Borealam was angry at Klal Yisrael, at the time of the destruction, and Gabriel protected us from the ministering angel of Paras, Bonei Olam said, who is this one that's speaking good about my children? So the Mesilai Sharim says, whoever loves Bnei Yisrael, Bonei Olam loves them. The importance of always being an uh, advocate for Klai Yisrael. And now comes the Gemara, goes back to the subject of Yom Kippurim. So we learned on yesterday's daf that washing the Chitzah is considered one of the afflictions. So now the Gemara is going to bring an alternate source. How do you know that the Chitzah Bathing, washing is considered an inui. So Gabriel says, "Be by I could bring you another answer. The chitzad, the clear inui minalan. How do I know that abstaining from washing is considered an inui? Me'achav from here, dichtiv. This pasuk was written, but when Shilawah Melech became the king, and now he was settling a lot of his father's David's business. If the Atar was the queen gadol at the time of David sided with Adoniah. Adoniah was the son of David that rebelled against him. And therefore, Eviatar really was rebellious to the king because he joined the ranks of Adoniah. Now, Shilohan Melech is going to settle the account with Eviatar. So he says, well, Eviatar, the Kohen Amar Melech, and Eviatar the Kohen, the king said, Anatot Lech Al Sadecha. Go to Anatot, to your fields. Ki ish mavet ata, because you're deserving of death. But Shilomo says, I'm not going to kill you today. Why? I'm going to spare you this day. Because you carried the Aron in front of my father. And furthermore, And you also were afflicted in all that my father was afflicted. Which means when David Amelech was running away from Absalom, he endured certain affliction. If Yatar was with him, and Eviatar also suffered those same afflictions. So clearly we see that whatever David did when he was running away from Absalom and abstained himself from was considered an Inui. And it says by David, Ki Amiru Aram, the nation said, At that time the people that were... David and his men that were running away from Absalom, they entered the city called Mahanaim. And David was greeted over there by supporters. And uh, they took care of the uh, people. They brought food and drinks and other needs. Uh, because the people that came with David, it says there were three things. Ra'ev, Ayef, and Sameh. So the Gemara now explains Ra'ev. When it says the people of David were hungry, Melechem. That huh? means they were from bread. They didn't eat bread. Sameh means they were thirsty, which means they didn't have water. Ayef, what does it mean, Ayef? Mimai, what were they weary from? Lad must be from Rechitzah, from washing. And we know that all the things that David went through are called an Inui, because when Shilomo Melech uh, told Eviatari, he says, you suffered, you were afflicted with all the afflictions of my father, I mean, you were with him at that time. So we see that what? One of the afflictions was Rechitzah. So the Gibran who told you? Who told you that the word ayef means that they were tired because they did not bathe? Maybe it's a reference that what? They weren't wearing shoes. Maybe that's what the word ayef means. 
So therefore, he's okay, we bring a different proof. We have a pasuk that says, We have a pasuk that says, Like cold water on a weary soul. This is a pasuk in Mishle. So you see, cold water on a weary soul, it's called ayef. So you see the word ayef is a reference to bathing. So by David HaMelech, when it says, that these men were ayef, it means the chitzah. So the Gemara who told you, Vedilma Mishtiyah, maybe when it says, Mayim Karim Al Nefesh, Ayefah, cold water on a weary soul, maybe it's referring to drinking. So the Gemara says, Miketi Benefesh Ayefah, does it say cold water in a weary soul? The water you drink goes in you. Al Nefesh Ayefah Ketiv, it says on a weary soul, which is implying that it's an external item. And therefore, the cold water is outside. That's referring to bathing. So we prove that what the word ayef that was written by David is a reference to rechitzah. Now the Gemara continues. And how do you know that taking or not wearing shoes is considered an affliction? Again, when David Amelik was running away from Absalom, it says he was going up Mount of Olives. He was going up crying, and his head was covered, let's say, and he was going bare. Literally, Yaqif means bare. So now the Gemara explains, what was he bare from? It must mean that he was going barefoot. And that's why, and it says over there by David that these items that he went through were considered affliction. So you see, going barefoot is considered an affliction. No, maybe when it says he was going bare, he was going bare from his horse and whip. Meaning David normally traveled by a horse and a whip. Now he was bare from that. So maybe Yahweh means he didn't have his horse with him. So he says, you're right. We can learn that the word Yahweh means barefoot from the pasuk over here that's written in Yeshaya. Pasuk says, Go, take the sackcloth off your loins, and take your shoes off your legs. This over here is uh, a prophecy that Borei Olam gave to Yeshayat to take off his clothing to demonstrate how the captives of Egypt and Cush will be uh, naked and barefoot from the king of Ashur. There was symbolism over here. Uchtiv, it says by the Pasuk, what did he do? So it says, Yeshaya was bare, he went naked, what does Yachef mean? It must be like the Pasuk originally said, that he had to take off his shoes. So the word Yachef means taking off your shoes. So therefore by David, when it says Yachef, it also means taking off his shoes. And therefore we know it's an Inui, because it says Inui by David. Maybe Yaqif means that he should wear patched shoes. I mean, don't wear normal shoes. Don't wear shoes that are all patched up. Because you're not going to say this. Arom, Arom Mabash. When it says that Yeshaya was to walk naked, you think it meant actually naked without any clothes? Elah means what? Meaning wear clothes that are all worn out, tattered clothes. Here too. Here too it means just with patched shoes. So again, how do you know that Yahef means without shoes at all? Learn it from the following Pasuk in Yirmiyah. Which literally means withhold your foot from barefootedness, don't be Yahef, and your throat from thirst. So the Gabbala explains what does this Pasuk mean? Withhold yourself from sin. So you won't get punished and you have to be sent into exile and your feet are going to be without shoes. Which is the one you're going to be taken into exile. So therefore don't commit sins. So therefore your feet will not have to be barefoot and sent into exile. Uh, withhold your tongue from idle words. So your throat will not come to thirst which means you're going to be punished because of that. And therefore, you see the word Yachef over here means no shoes. So therefore, we can say that by David also, when it said Yachef, it's a reference to no shoes. And by David, it says Inui. Now we move on to the next one of the Inui. How do you know? How do you know that 
the Tashmish Amita, which is cohabitation, how do we know that's called an affliction? Dichtiv, when Levan told Yaakov Abinu, Im et benotai, ve'im tikach nashim, which means when Levan sent Yaakov away, so he made him make a shivuatim. Im ta'anet benotai, if you will afflict my daughters, ve'im tikach nashim, or you will take additional wives on my daughters. So the Gemara explains, Im how would you afflict them? If you afflict them with tashmish, which means you will abstain from having tashmish with them. So you see, abstination of tashmish is called an inui. What's the second um, uh, condition that Laban made? Mitzarot, meaning you will not take rival wives, meaning you will not take additional wives on my daughters. As she says on top, you're going to abstain from them. Kemashmoy made him swear, Shelo Yosif Lem Sarot, that you won't take any additional wives. So the Gemara who told you to learn like that? Meaning the way you're learning now, it's, that means that Tashmish is indeed called an Ainui. Or I should say, abstination of Tashmish is called an Ainui. Maybe both parts of that swear that Laban made are referring to not taking rival wives. And we could learn the uh, Pasuk. As if it's, it's all saying one thing, which is, if you're going to afflict my wives, how? By taking additional rival wives. Maybe it's all one thing. So the Gemara says, Does it say, as if it was all one thing? The Vav is mashma, it's a different item. is one item, and is the second item. So therefore, the first item must be imtahaneh benotai, referring to abstinence of tashmish. The imtikar is a new item that you're going to take rival wives. Lavan made him swear he's not going to take any more wives. The ema idi mitzarot. Maybe it's both a reference to not taking rival wives, but it's different points. Had mitzarot dideh. The first thing he was telling him, imtahaneh benotai. Don't afflict my wives by elevating your rival wives now, meaning bilhan pa. Do not elevate them to regular wife status. That would be an inui. And the second was intikah. Do not take uh, other rival wives from the outside world. So the Gemara says, Dumya, Dumya which means this uh, understanding is logical because you're explaining imtahaneh and imyekach on the same concept. It's both talking about taking additional wives. So the first concept is what? Don't elevate the wives that you have already, to wife status, because that would be an affliction to my daughters. And don't take any rival wives from the world. If that was the case, it should say the uh, worst scenario first, which means it should say imtikah. Meaning it's much worse to take a wife, me'alma, from outside. And secondly, the wives that you have don't elevate. It's a bigger torture for the wives of Yaakov to take a new wife. To elevate the wives that are there is also an affliction, but it's not as big because they're there already. So normally when a person makes a condition, he speaks of the more serious scenario. I don't want you taking a wife from uh, somewhere else. And even the wives that you have do not elevate. So if that was the interpretation of Pasuk, the Pasuk should have said, Miketiv imtikach imtaneh. It should have said the second part of the condition first. However, what does it say? Imtaneh imtikach ketiv. It says first imtaneh and then imtikach. And therefore must be like we explained. Imtaneh means from tashmish. And which means do not abstain tashmish from them because that would be an affliction. And do not take rival wives. Comes the Gemara and says, "Amalei Rabbanu Baye Rabbanu Zabaye Ha Tashmish Gufa Ikli Inui." So what are you talking? You're saying abstinence of Tashmish is called an Inui. We see from different pesukim that Tashmish itself is called an Inui. Dichti vayishkav ota vayaneha when Shechem ben Hamor slept with Dina, which means he had tashmish with her, the pasuk says, Vayaneha, it was actually an affliction. So you see, tashmish itself, not abstinence, tashmish itself is an inui. Which means, yes, he had tashmish with dina, but then it says that dina wanted more tashmish. And therefore, Vayaneha, he tortured her by abstaining with, 
further acts of Tashmi. So therefore, when it says Inui over there by Dina, it's also considered a uh, Inui of abstinence because Shechem uh, held back. He did not provide with her with more. That she says, Mibiot Acherot, Shaitab mit Avelo. She then desired him, Velo Ba'aleha, Be'onatab, Yamim Shahamda, it's funny, he did not go with her at the time that he was with her. Now, Rashi brings an alternate interpretation, Someone explained that she says that when it says Inui over there, it means that he had Bi'ah, but Shiloh Kedarka, not in the normal fashion. And that type of Bi'ah, not in the normal fashion, is indeed called an Inui, but Rashi asks on this, But if you can explain that that Inui means you can explain by Yaakov Aminu that when Laban told him in Ta'ane, he was just saying, do not have bi'ah, shelo kedarka. So therefore, she rejects that interpretation and therefore explains that when it says by Dinad, it was an Inui, it wasn't a Tashmish that was an Inui, it was that he refrained from having more Tashmish, which caused her affliction. Tanu Rabbanan, we continue, the Gemara says, Asur l'rchos miksat gufo kechol gufo. That on Kippur, not only is it a suit to wash, One's entire body, but it's a suit to wash even part of one's body. The imayam miluchlach betitum so but if his body, let's say, was soiled with mud or excrement, rochayetz kedarko, you can wash normally. Ve'enu chosheh, have nothing to worry about. Which means the only type of wash that achamim or oser on Yom Kippur is pleasurable washing, letanug. However, if you're washing yourself to get rid of the dirt, that's not considered part of the restriction. Asur lasuk mechsat kufo kekol gufo. Furthermore, it's asur to anoint. Part of the body, as well as the suit to anoint the entire body. But if he was sick, or he had scabs on his head where he needs to put this anointment, he can anoint himself in the way he normally does, and he does not have to be concerned. Now, so you see over here, there's a difference between the chitza and sicha. Chitza, so long as it's not for ta'anug, it's permissible. Sicha is not permissible if it's for ta'anug. And even if it's not for pleasure, it's not permissible. The only time sicha is permissible if it's for medicinal reasons, which means only if the guy escapes on his head. Now, it should be pointed out that normally on Shabbat we do not allow to take medicine because we have a gezerah that what may be uh, going to come to grind. And over here they're allowing to make sicha. So the Mephadashim explained, you have to say we're talking about oil, for anointment that's normally put during the week by healthy people. And therefore, we, we don't make a gizera on those items that healthy people anoint themselves with that you might come to uh, grow, because it's normally done by healthy people as well. Tana de Bimenashir. We have a Braita from the house of Menashir. A bunch of Gamliel Omer, a bunch of Gamliel said, Medicha isha yada achat bemayim, venotna pat letinok. Literally means a lady can wash one of her hands with water on Kippur and give bread to her child to feed her child. And she does not have to be worried about the issue of washing on Kippur. Now, what is this reference to? So that she says, So that she says that when a person wakes up in the morning, in Shakrit, there's a certain Tum'ah on his hands. And the name of this Tum'ah is called Shivta. And the, uh, by touching food without washing your hands, it's going to put a Tum'ah on the food. So the Gemara says, if you want to feed your child on Kippur, you can wash the hand that you're going to deal with the food, wash it to get rid of the Shivta, and feed the child. That's the way that she learned. It sounds like that she's just saying to feed a child until for Shakrit would be okay. Tosfot doesn't accept that interpretation. Tosfot says, what do you mean? Only to feed a child? Everybody can make the Yadayim Shaharit. Because we just learned that only the Chitzah for Ta'anug is forbidden. But the Chitzah, that's not for Ta'anug. For example, making the Yadayim Shaharit, that's not for pleasure. That's to get the Tum'ah off. So therefore, he says, that's not only, not only permissible to feed a child with that, the Yadayim. Everybody's permissible. Also, oh, what is this Gemara talking about? So Tosfot says that there's a special Tum'ah that goes on the bread of children that are four or five years old, and it can choke the child. And this comes from the Gilion Hashas explains when lady, let's say the mother of the house comes out of the bathroom, or the uh, bathhouse, there's a certain tumana hands that can damage the child. But therefore, everybody's making it like, but specifically before you feed a child, 
that Gemara is telling you you can make the Tzayyadayim on that hand in order that the child will not be subject to this special type of Tum'ah. Tosfot does point out that we're not careful on that today, meaning after we make the Tzayyadayim Sha'arit, we don't have to wash our hands again today to feed a child, because he says, because really these type of Tum'ot are not so prevalent in our times. So that's Mahrukat Rashiva Tosfot. Rashi again learned this regular Tzayyadayim Sha'arit. Or as according to the Tzafot, he's understanding that it is the uh, special Nitilat Yadayim that is done by the ladies before they feed a child, so the child does not get damaged from the certain Tum'ah that rests on her hands. Comes to Gemara and says, Amru Alav al Shamaya Zaken. They tell a story about Shamai, Shalorat He did not want to feed the child even with one hand. So what did the rabbis do? The rabbis made a yadayim. That what? He should feed the child with two hands. Now, what is this referring to? How do we explain this story? Shammai didn't want to feed with one, so they made a gizera that he can, he can wash two, or feed with two. So some of the Rishonim explained like this. Shammai was concerned that if they're going to only allow him to wash one hand, and he's going to feed the child, we're worried, he was worried, that maybe that one hand is going to touch the other hand, or the bread is going to touch the other hand that was not washed, and now the bread is going to become, Tamir is going to be dangerous for the child, so therefore he refrained from feeding the child. So the Hakamim told Shammai, you, you could wash both your hands. If you're worried about one hand touching the other and the, the bread becoming Tamir, so they will lenient on him. Wash both your hands. Or some explain the opposite. Some say Shammai was mahmir on himself. He didn't even want to wash one. So the rabbis, in order to show Shammai that he was wrong, he says, we're telling you, so you don't follow your opinion, we're telling you specifically you have to wash both your hands in order that you don't follow your opinion. They went more uh, strict that he should be lenient, actually, to wash both his hands. So the child will not starve on Kippur. My ta'ma, what's the reason why there's this washing of the hands at all? Because of the tumah that's called shivta. And already we explained the makhluk within Ashi and Tosfor exactly what this tumah is. We have a bright if a person, let's say, is going to visit his father on Kippur, or his rabbi, or let's say somebody that's wiser than him in Torah, and the only way to walk, let's say, he has to pass through a river. Now, he's going to wash himself. Obviously, he's walking through the river, because that's the only way to get to his rabbi or his father. He's going to be washing himself. It's mutar. He does not have to be concerned. Why? It's because this is not for pleasure. This obey is going to do a mitzvah. So since he's going to do a mitzvah, the Achamim were lenient. So comes to Gebran and says, Ibayelu, we have a question. Arab, it's a tamid mai. Can the rabbi walk to the student? So let's say the rabbi wants to go teach the student Torah. For some reason, the student cannot walk to the rabbi. Is it permissible for the rabbi and Kippur to walk to the student through a river, even though he's now getting washed? So the Gebran says, Tashema da'amara bitchak bar barchana. We have a story. He said, "Hazitel Zaidi. I saw Zaidi the Azal Gabera Bihya, but I said Tamid on Kippur Zaidi went through the water to visit his students. So you see, it's permissible. Lavashemad, no. Who the Bihya but I said the Azil the Gabera Zaidi the Bihya was the opposite. It was the Bihya the student that walked through the water to go see his Rabbi Zaidi. So therefore, you have no proof. So therefore, it's really unresolved this question. The Rishonim say we have to be Mahmid that indeed the Rabbi cannot go through the water to visit the student." Rabba shara libne abad yimina. Rabba permitted the people of abad yimina libne abad maya libne to the peri in order for them to walk through the water to get to their orchards in order to protect their fruit. It seems that at their fruit there was a danger. They needed a shomer over there. The only way they can get there is walking through the water. So Abaye told Rabba, "Tanya the Messiah, like we have a bright to support you, shomre perot." Right? People that need to guard their produce, ovrin, ad, savvaran, baman, they can walk up to their necks in water, ve'en, khoshashin, they don't have to be concerned. Again, this is not pleasurable, this is over in order to be shamed perot. Rabbi Yosef, shalalu, libne, betarbu, Rabbi Yosef allowed the people of betarbu, lime'abad, bimaya, to walk to the one, lime'tele, pirka, in order they can come here to Torah lecture. Now, lime'zal, lo sharalehu, but he did not allow them to go back home. He allowed them to go, but once they got to the lecture, now the lecture was finished, they could not go back through the water, back home. Again, all these kids, where there was a river where the people had to walk through. 
So he allowed them to go to the lecture walking through the water, but not to come home. If so, the people are going to be, you're putting a stumbling block in the future, which means if they know they can't walk back home, they're not going to go to the lecture in the first place. Therefore, once you allow them to go, you have to allow them to come back through the water, otherwise they won't go in the first place. Ikadamisam have this story in a different way. That Abiyah Yosef indeed allowed the people to go and come back through the river. But yes, I understand that you allowed them to go because it's a mitzvah. Why did you allow them to come back to the river? They're going home. The lecture is over. So we'll not come to a stumbling block in the future, meaning because if you don't allow them to come home, they won't go in the first place. Come to Gemara and continues. Some have this Nahar Papa and some have Nahar Pirat, which means Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yehuda. They were uh, standing by the banks of Nahar Pirat, Euphrates, Amabrad the Hazdar, by the Hazdar crossing. Rami Bar Papa was on the other side of the river. So he shouted to them, Can I cross the river with Kippur? Can I cross the river? Because I have to ask you a, a question in the halakha. Amalir of Yehuda, Rav Ushmer, the Amit, both Rav and Shmuel say, Over, you can go. But do not lift your hands from under your hem, which means you have to keep your hands under your cloak. What is the explanation of this? Why does he have to? You can cross, but make sure you don't take your uh, hands from outside your cloak. We'll see in a moment. Some say, Amalir of Shmuel Bar of Yehuda, Tanina. We actually have a Braita. Over, he can pass through the water. So long as he doesn't take his hand from under the hem of his cloak. So that she explains, because on Kippur you're not allowed to carry. And the concern was that he might lift his garment, or they wore like a long robe. He might lift his garment so it doesn't get wet or soiled, and let's say lift it up and carry it over his arm. He's still wearing it, but he's carrying part of the garment over his arm, and that would be considered carrying, like we learned in the second Shabbat, that it's forbidden to carry one's garment on his shoulder, because that's not the normal way of wearing it. So the concern over it was if he's going to lift up his cloak with his hands over his arm so it doesn't get soiled, it's going to be considered carrying. So they said you have to keep your hands under the cloak so you won't come to lift it up and carry it. Other Rishonim explained that the concern over it was sechita, that the concern was he has to keep his hands under the cloak, so he won't come to squeeze the cloak, and that would be Isud of squeezing, which is a suit on Shabbat as well as on Kippur. So comes the Actually we'll stop over here. Baruch Amen the Amen. Baruch